uh, 1 and 2, uh, John, he's talking about, um, excuse me, um, I apologize if I mess with this thing, it just drives me crazy. I try to get it right where I don't bother me too much. But it's a test about knowing Him. He gives us uh, ways to know that we're found in Christ, that we're true believers, that we've been born again. And then he talks about uh, once you've come to the knowledge of that, that you know that you are found in Christ, that you have been born again, that you've trusted the gospel of Christ, uh, because uh, it's important for you to understand that that there's nothing else that saves other than the blood of Jesus. Okay, it's not about going to church or the ceremonies or any other things that that uh, the world wants to try to add to the gospel um, today. But the gospel is found in 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to give it to you uh, because I believe it should. it's wrong to preach without giving the gospel. And the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's where we have our hope. Okay? And so John, he has talked about these people who have trusted in the gospel. Uh, attesting about now as a transformation in your life what takes place after you've trusted the gospel. He talks about how the commands of the Lord are no longer a burden to you, that you should be willing to do that. And it wouldn't be a burden because you love the Lord. If you love the Lord, you're going to love His commands. You're going to love one another because you love Him. He talks about that in the background here of First John. But then he talks about uh, the spiritual state, the spiritual life of where you are as a born-again believer. And as we talked about that, of uh, being born again, there is a new birth. You can read about that in, in Romans chapter 6, about a new birth taking place. And, and it, it is a spiritual birth because man... Uh, when, when man sin, you are born now spiritually dead. And so you have to be born again. It's mentioned in the book of John, the gospel of John, that you cannot enter the kingdom unless you've been born again. And so a birth takes place and it's a spiritual birth. It takes place inside of all believers. Now, if you think about this, when a, when a birth takes place, a conception, and then their birth, what do you have? You have a baby, okay? And babies don't know everything, and that's the way we are as new believers. And John talks about that, so I want to look at that this morning. We're going to read here in First John. And I want to talk to you and ask you this question is, are you a growing Christian? Are you a growing Christian? There's three spiritual stages or three stages in your spiritual walk, just like in, in life physically as we, we grow Physically, throughout our lives, there are stages that we go through, and it's the same way in our spiritual walk. And we should be growing as believers. We shouldn't stay at a certain age. We should constantly be growing. So this message is for everyone today. Whether you're a new believer, whether you've been saved for 50 years, this message is going to hopefully apply to you today. So in First John chapter 2, We're going to look in verse 12. And John writes about the spiritual state here. And he says, I write to you, little children. So we're going to see here that he mentions about three states. And I want to ask you, which one are you in this morning? And are you growing? 
Are you continuing to grow in your walk with the Lord? So number one, you can underline here, is he writes to you little children. He mentions about little children. These are the babes in Christ. Now he says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. You think about that. And as I talked about a new birth taking place, your sins have been forgiven. It's a, it's a joyous time to see someone saved. We should rejoice as a church when a new believer, somebody comes to the Lord. It says actually in Luke chapter 15 verse 10, it says, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When we see people saved, we should be joyful we should i mean it says that there that there is rejoicing in heaven that takes place when someone comes to the lord and we should hear in in a church this size i would pray to hear the the cry of newborn babies every week we should see be seeing people saved and that's a joyful time to see people saved that's what we want we want to spread the gospel and bring people to jesus just like as uh, when as you get a little older and, and you have children of your own, that's a joyful time to have a child. There's nothing else like it in the world to have a baby and to and to hold them and to care for them. And we should be doing that as well as a church. But you know, um, it talks about in Hebrews chapter five um, that we shouldn't stay as little babies. You know, if you think about a little baby. Okay, little babies are, are wonderful, and and you love them, and they're they're special. But little babies keep you up all night. They can get a little bit annoying every once in a while, and you need a break from them because you know little babies they're they don't know uh, much of anything that's going on, and you have to teach them everything. They poop in their pants. They're peeing on everything. You know, they're, they're a little bit disruptive. And, and he's talking about in a spiritual life. I mean, don't expect, if you're a new believer, don't expect to just, uh, you know, get saved and know everything. The Lord doesn't expect you to know everything. He knows you're gonna mess up. Okay? And that, and, and, but he knows that through his word and through discipleship and what we are called to do, that you're gonna grow in your walk. You're gonna, just like a little child would, you're, you're gonna grow. And there was one example I listened to, um, a while back, and, you know, it was, um, I believe it was Kent Hoven, and he was talking about as, as little children and, and as babes in Christ that, you know, as a baby, you expect them to keep you up all night, and you expect them, expect them to, uh, not be potty trained, and you're not gonna whip a little, three-month-old baby for not being potty trained. But when they're three years old, it, it starts to change a little bit, right? Now, it's not so cute changing their diapers. Now, when they're screaming and keep you up all night, you know, you, you just it's not the same. You expect them to grow up. That's what your job is as a parent, to raise them and train them. And it should be the job of the church as well to to raise and train the newborn believers. We shouldn't be staying as babies in Christ. Now, 
I listened to a sermon uh, a little while back of, that Francis Chan talked about, and he was he was up there sucking on a little bottle, and he said, "Does this does this look you know ridiculous?" And he said, "Well, that's what this looks like if you've been saved for years." And you're still sucking on the bottle, like it talks about in Hebrews. You you can only take milk. You can't you you can't go on to the steaks. You know you can't go on to the meat, to the the things that nourish you more than milk. Milk will sustain a little baby, but as you grow, it just won't cut it. You need the steak. You know, Amen. Who Jeremy said, forget the milk. We need some steak. But we should be excited and a church needs newborn babies. We need babes in Christ. But we don't need babes in Christ who are 30 years old. Now you shouldn't be saved for years and still be a baby in Christ. You should be growing and that's what we want and that's what Paul's talking about here. And so I want to ask you, are you in this category? How long have you been saved? Are you growing in your walk? Number two, you can underline. You look here in verse 13. I'm going to skip down to the lower part of 13. It says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. So now he's talking about no longer children, but he gives another category in your, another stage in your spiritual walk, and he talks about young men. Now he gives something else here in, in verse 14. He says, I have written to you young men because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. You know, you think about a young man. Young men are ambitious. Young men, they have, they have something driving them. They have goals. They have, uh, a lot more strength than a, a little child would. Correct? And a young man is normally the one who's gonna be in a little better shape. He's gonna be training more often than a young child or an older gentleman would. And it talks about it in First Timothy. It talks about training yourself. And I think about, when I, when I think about this, I think about David. You know, David, um, in Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 35, he says, he teaches, speaking of the Lord, he said, He teaches or trains my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Now this was a physical thing that he's talking about here, but it has a spiritual application. And, and in this, this actually meant that in battle, what would take place was these these men could grab the bow of the enemy and actually bend it and snap it in half. And it was something that only very, very, very strong men could do. It took the foot leverage and your whole body just to, you know, string the bow back in that day. And he's talking about how God prepared him and strengthened him and trained him or he'd be strong enough to just snap it in half. These are the men who are out on the battlefield. These are the servants in the church. Now they have, they have went from childhood up to now to servitude. They're, they're serving one another. They're serving in the church. They are no longer just taking like a little child would. Now they're giving back. They're serving. Okay? 
I think of when when David goes to battle Goliath. Again, David is on the battlefield. Young men, strong men, is on the battlefield. Now, David was a young man. He was just entering into manhood. And he was, he didn't know everything. You know, you want to think about this. David was young, probably 13, 14 years old. He didn't know everything. But he knew that you don't defile the God of Israel and get away with it. Okay, so in the young man stage, in this stage of life, you still don't know everything about the Lord. You're still going to make mistakes as you see David did. But David was willing and strong in the Lord, and he was willing to step out on faith and battle the giant when others wouldn't. That's where these, that's this category here. Now, we don't want to stay there either. Because we see that David became complacent in young manhood. And he didn't continue to grow there for a while. And it led him into sin with Bathsheba. You know, it said that it was at a time when these men, these kings, was out on the battlefield. And he stopped battling. He just came, became complacent in his walk. And it led him to sin. So that's why it's important that as believers in Christ that we continue to grow in our walk in the Lord. Number three. Verse 13. Let's see if I can read here. John writes, Now he's written, written to you in verse 12, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven. I write to you young men and now he writes to you fathers. Because you have known him who is from the beginning. So he talks about a father stage, a fatherhood stage. And I want you to think about fathers here this morning. 1 Corinthians 4.15 says, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. What do fathers do? Fathers reproduce. Fathers win souls to Christ. They're no longer just out there serving. They're not just the servants as the young men are on the battlefield. They're now reproducing. They're winning souls to Christ. And something else a father does is a father trains a child up in the way that he should go. So in the end, they shall not depart from it. You know, there's many dads today who have babies. It's not many true fathers, like it says. We should be striving for fatherhood. We are called to be Christ-like. And Christ says, me and my father are one, so we are actually called to be like the Lord. We are, we want to be like the Father. What do you think of, what do you pray? Okay? Our Father who is in heaven, that's how God is pictured. That's how we should be striving to be in our spiritual walk. We should be striving to win souls to Christ. To be training others up behind us. You know, as young men, these men are strong and they go on and they're serving, but they're only really worried about themselves a lot of times. But as an older man, as the father, he's got no longer just to worry about himself, but he's got responsibility. He doesn't worry about just meeting his need. He meets the needs of others. That's fatherhood. And that's what John talks about here.
You know, it's, 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 these are oftentimes when you get to this stage is, is when you see God call someone to step out and be a pastor. You know, in First Timothy, it talks about the quality of a pastor. And one of the number one things is that he was a father, a leader of his home, that he ruled his home well. This is the quality of pastors. Now, now I want you to turn and look at something because we've been talking about David here. And I want you to look in Second Samuel, if you... We'll turn to Second Samuel chapter 21. Now we know the story of David and Goliath and how when David was a young man, he stepped out on faith and he was out there and he battled the giant. Okay, When all the rest of Israel was afraid and running away from the giant, no one would step out in faith. It took one young man. He didn't know anything or know everything. He just knew the Lord. And he stepped out on faith. But as that, as he continued to grow, I want you to look at what takes place years later. Now, I looked at this, and according to the sources that I read, that from the battle of David and Goliath back in 1 Samuel to this battle would have been about 54 years. So, depending on how old David was when he battled Goliath, Let's just say he was, you know, 13, 14 years old. He's in his late 60s now. So it's not quite so young, but he's continued to grow here. Now, I want you to look at verse, chapter 21, verse 15. And bear with me because some of these names are hard to pronounce, so I'm sure I'm going to get them wrong. Verse 15 says, When the Philistines were at war again... With Israel. Now I want you to think about that. Just because you defeated one giant in your life doesn't mean that the enemy's gonna stop there. You think about this. David as a young man cut the head off of the giant and all the people of Israel were with him and the Philistines had fled. That happens in our, in our lives. But I want you to look at what's happening now. Now the Philistines have returned. Just like in our spiritual walk, just like as as we face life, we're going to face giant after giant after giant. And it's very important that we continue to grow in the Lord and that we're able to overcome when it comes. So it said, the Philistines were at war again with Israel. And David, here's David again and his servants now. So now he doesn't just out there on his own. He's got somebody with him. It says, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines. And David grew faint. Then Ishbi Benob, or whatever that word name is, who was one of the sons of the giants, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought that he could kill David. Boy, did he think wrong. David's old man now, so he thought, you know what, I can take this dude. As a young man, whether this was the children of Goliath or Goliath's brothers, I read different things. They they knew what took place, what David had done. And they thought, you know, he's gotten a little older. 
he ain't as good as he once was, I think I can take this guy. And so this giant comes to defeat him. And it says, David grew faint. But in verse 17 it says, But Ibishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle unless you quench the lump of Israel, or the lamp of Israel. Verse 18, Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines. So I want you to see that continually the enemy continued to come against God's people. They never stopped. At giant after giant, they never stopped. That's why it continued for us to never stop growing in the Lord. So now, David's an older man. Okay, he He's not as strong as he once was or courageous as he once was. He's still out there though. But I want you to look at what's happening and what's taking place. Where he lacks, he's trained someone else up in his place. That's what fathers do. They train up the next generation. If we fail as parents to train up our children, who's going to be there to spread the gospel for the generations to come? It's the same thing here. Verse 18, he says, Now it happened afterwards, there again was a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And then... Sibachai, the Hushatite, whatever that is, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again, there was a war at Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jer, whatever, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Verse 20, yet again, and I want you to just see how it continues. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers, and each hand he had six toes on each foot, 24 in number. Boy, that was an ugly dude. Man, 24 in number, and he was also born to the giant. So when he defiled Israel... Jonathan, the son of Shammai, David's brother, killed him. These four were born of the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. I want you to think about that. That, that, if you can just grasp a hold of what's taking place here. David continued to grow spiritually Throughout his life. And when he did, he became no longer just the young man. Okay? He, he wasn't a babe in Christ. He didn't just go from the babe in Christ to the young man in Christ who was out there defeating the giant. Because if he would have, it says here that he fell, he grew faint. And he would have probably been defeated. But because he continued to grow in his walk, he trained others up. He didn't meet just his needs. He met the needs of others and he had servants. He had other people who were around him who were serving the Lord. He built them up. He had begotten them in through the gospel. Okay, as we read earlier. He had trained young men up to be there with him. And it says, together now they defeated the giants. All of them. All four of them. 
And that's why it's so important here. I want you to see is that some you might look at this and say, well, you know, David failed here, but David in, in his weakness was made strong through the Lord because he had others with him. He brought along others with him. It's important that we don't expect our pastors we don't expect the ones who continue to serve over and over, who's winning people the Lord, to continue to do that year after year after year while we still suck from them. We just, we want them to continue to feed, feed us while we sit on the sidelines and watch them defeat the giants. It's important that we're out there with them and that their job is no longer to be the young men who are out there on the battlefield. Their job is to train us up. And us to see us grow in the Lord. That's the pastor's job. To see us grow in the Lord. And so that's why you see like Francis Chan talk about how it's it's frustrating how people will still be like they're 30 years old playing video games in their mom's basement. They continue to stay in this one spiritual state and they never grow. Now it's 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 a great time to rejoice to be babes in the Lord. But we shouldn't just stay there. We should continue to grow. And something I want you to understand, I want you to get, is that as you grow in your walk, and as we grow in our walk in the Lord, it's not like we graduate or substitute one stage for the other. In fatherhood, it's all three wrapped up in one. In fatherhood, you will find a little boy in that man. One who can always go back and still be joyous about that time when he was redeemed, when his sins were forgiven. Someone who always is willing to share that testimony. Always willing to get out there and be joyous no matter what the circumstances are. You'll also see the young man in him, one who is eager to get out there like David was, he was way past his prime. He shouldn't have been on the battlefield, but you saw he was right there with him. One who's not just going to set back and let everybody else do it, but one who's right there with him, just like a father would. And you're going to see, though, one in the fatherhood who he's been there and done that. Now, I want you to think about that. It was because of David's example. All the people before when David was a young man, okay, all of the children of Israel at that time, they had fled from the giants. But because of David's example that he set, and because he continued to grow, now he had raised up these others, and they were willing to stand there and fill the gap. Make sense? So I want you to stand with me this morning. And I just want to ask you the simple question. Are you growing in your walk in the Lord? Because if we fail to grow, we fail to become Christ-like. If we fail to grow, we fail to train up the next generation. So I pray that this morning that you would dig into God's word, that you would continue to grow in your walk, not just seek after the things, as it talks about in Hebrews, after the milk, but to go on to, it says there in Hebrews chapter 6, go on to perfection. That word actually means to maturity, to mature in Christ.
Lord, I just love you, and I thank you for this day, God. I thank you that you love us, Lord. I pray that you'd be with us today, Lord, that all that we do would honor you, Lord. God, I pray that we would never stop growing in you, Lord, that we wouldn't become complacent with where we are at, Lord. We know that you love us, God, and that you want us to become more and more like you daily, Lord. I pray that as a church we we equip people to grow with your word, And God, I just pray that you would continue to grow me, Lord, as well. I thank you for the ones who have been that example, who have continued to grow, who now reproduce, Lord, who who win souls to the lost, God, for the ones who serve, for the ones who train us, Lord. And I just pray for them, and I pray for strength in them, Lord. God, I just pray for people to be saved, Lord, and I pray that, that as a church we never stop seeking after what you would have us to do. We love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.